The opposite of fear is bravery. Hmm. Nope. The opposite of fear is curiosity. Is the glass half empty? Is it half full? That misses the point. Elevating curiosity will help you see and understand what's in the glass. This is Applied Curiosity Lab Radio, the podcast of curiosity. In each episode, Becky Saltzman interviews unconventional thinkers and doers in her unconventional way to dissect and uncover what you can use to see things others miss, make better decisions, and apply your talents in new and profound ways. Elevate curiosity, escape the boundaries of ordinary. Hello, curiosity seekers. Welcome to Applied Curiosity Lab's live episode that is a between episode coming at you from the big podcast movement event in Anaheim, California. This is an episode where we take a peek into the world of podcasting, and we're doing that with several other podcasters as co-hosts and guests on this show. So not only are you going to get their perspective, but you're also going to get a little peek into some of the cool podcasts that are out there. And I'll explain and introduce them in just a minute. All right. A little bit about podcasting, just to give you a little perspective on how this industry is experiencing tremendous growth, both in numbers and in technology and in business opportunity. In 2006, 22% of the U.S. population was familiar with the term podcast. By 2017, that number was 60%. And that really sounds like huge growth, which of course it is, but also that means that 40% of the U.S. population is not familiar with the term podcast or the concept of podcasting. So there is still a lot of room for growth. And you could feel that energy in the air at the podcast movement event. The diversity of the podcast, and just to give you a little bit of an idea before you actually get to hear some of these podcasters yourself in this episode, but the diversity is just incredible. Not only are there people building tons of apps, every single company seems to be looking at creating their own corporate podcast, both for internal and external use. A lot of nonprofits were there to tell their story via podcast. Newspapers like the San Jose Mercury News was there. They were going to be launching their serial-type podcast. It was like a true crime series that they would be launching every day via podcast and then concomitantly in their paper. And then there were um, podcast kind of niche podcasts like the Chameleon Breeder podcast, fascinating podcasts. And today's episode, you're going to meet four other podcasters. You're going to meet Big UU and Rifa of the Truth Be Told podcast. And this is an absolutely phenomenal hip hop podcast that I love. And I think you will too. So be sure to listen to this episode and then jump on and check out Rifa and Big UU. And then Mitch Todd of the Sci-Fi Maker podcast. And that is a podcast for sci-fi filmmakers and screenwriters. And he is also one of the co-founders of the podcast movement event. And so you'll get some insight from him on that as well. And then Regina Revazova, who is the host of Open Conversations, which is kind of a taxi cab confessional type podcast in short format that is also NPR affiliated. And then we even have 
a publicist, Joanne McCall, popping on the podcast today to share an exciting experience that she had where she put her publicist skills to good use for her own adventure. So you'll get to hear about that as well. And without further ado, I bring you the in-between episode and live event episode, Sampler Platter. Hello, curiosity seekers and adventurous thinkers. We're coming at you from a distant location at the Podcast Movement 2017, largest gathering of podcast aficionados, podcasters, industry insiders, and nooblets like me. (laughs) And I welcome you because this is a fascinating group from people from NPR, WNYC, to big independents like Hardcore History, to nooblet independents like Applied Curiosity Lab Radio. And we are learning about the history of podcasting, the future of podcasting, the inside scoop, the best practices. It's a fascinating industry, whether you are considering it from a consumption standpoint or you're considering it from a creation standpoint. And the opportunities and the future is kind of mind-boggling. So. In order to cover a lot of ground, I am bringing you some fascinating podcasters. And what these podcasters represent is a sampler platter of the diversity of the podcast industry. Not only the topics, but the people. The gatekeepers are gone, and the chains are off. And all of the animals, like us, are roaming free upon the podcast land. So I'm going to introduce you to some fascinating podcasters so that you can learn about them and curiously explore them and take more time digging and delving into the hidden world of podcasting. So first, I have got down at the end, I have got Rifa and Urell, and their podcast is Truth Be Told. It's a phenomenal hip-hop podcast, and we're going to have, okay, what can you tell us? What can we tell you? Well, you talk. Let me talk. Okay. <laughs> what we can tell you is that it is a hip-hop-based podcast that we deal with current events. We do music reviews, like album reviews, and we just stick to the culture and kind of, we're trying to bridge the gap between the old school and the new school of hip-hop and try to combine it so everyone can enjoy it all as a whole. Because okay. they, they really hate each other. Yeah. The old school and the new school yeah, hate they, each other? They hate each they other, do. yeah. Okay, so I'm going to ask you guys some questions because I didn't know that. But before I do, I want to introduce all of these guys so that everyone right. can weigh in because I think we might have questions for each other. But now I'm just burning with why the old school and new school hate each other. <laughs> all right. Now I'm going to introduce you to Mitch Todd. Now, Mitch is a fascinating guy because not only does he have Sci-Fi Makers podcast, he is also one of the founders of this podcast movement. Mitch, what can you say? Well, first, there are four founders, Gary Leland, Jared Easley, Dan Franks, and me. Dan and Jared are pretty much running the show these days, but Gary and I come and attend. Gary also oversees the Hall of Fame, the award ceremony for the podcasters that was last night. And I got into podcasting and almost the next day was working on podcast movement and uh, just having a good time this year and looking and making sure other people are having a good time. Well, I'm looking forward to it. I have a lot of questions for you. And we have got Regina, but I can't pronounce your last name. Can you pop in and pronounce your last name for me? Sure, no problem. I'm Regina Revazova, and um, my podcast is Open Conversation. So Regina is from NPR land and has a fascinating podcast Open Conversations where she finds incredibly interesting stories from her 
adventures as a rideshare driver. Is it like NPR does taxicab confessionals? Yes, actually, I partner with one NPR station, which is located in Phoenix, Arizona, where I basically do my driving. And yeah, I basically, I'm a cab driver. <laughs> Fantastic. So I'm excited to hear some of your stories. All right, before I find out why old school and new school hip hoppers hate one another, why this rival, I want to know from Yurel, what did you recently do that's just like Donald Trump that was really stupid? I don't, I don't know. What did, what did I do? I don't remember. What did you look at without sunglasses? Okay, so look, <laughs> I didn't those. actually look at the clip. I just kind of did a little glance to see if I, could, if I can do it, but no, I couldn't, I couldn't do it. You couldn't do it? No, I couldn't. Well, can you see me now? Yeah, I can so see you now. So that means you didn't do Mine's it. Okay, I just wanted to check because I was listening and I thought, oh, God, we got to ask him about this. All right, <laughs> so why, you know, why does old school and new school hip-hop, why do they hate each other? I think probably the main thing is there's a big generation gap and then, you know, the way that the old school did things and then new school, just like you said with podcasts, they kind of broke, the, the, internet, the internet itself is pretty much broke down all the barriers so anybody can get in there and uh, there's, you, you know, there's usually rules that you have to abide by and nobody's following those rules no more so I think that that's probably the disconnect between between the between the two but hopefully our podcast can you know bridge that gap what's an example of one rule that the new school has broken that the old school is frustrated by <laughs> I, I think he should answer this okay, because he's, answer, he's very, part of the I old can, school that hates the new school I can, I can answer it simply it's it's that they the old school is more upset with the new school because they didn't have to work as hard to get there the tools were given to them when the other ones had to go to record labels and other stuff. Now you just do it from your own room, in your own house. You got your own beat makers. I mean, you, you don't you, need radio. You, you don't need radio. MTV. You don't need any of that. You have YouTube. You have SoundCloud. So you that's can do whatever a, you want. So it's a matter of when I was your age, I right. had to walk all the way to the record studio yeah, and right, try to right, pimp right. my wares. Mm -hmm. Pretty much. And also okay. the style of music has changed dramatically as well. Like right. where before it was more intricate, they had more wordplay like vocabulary involved everybody was more unique back then and now because of the internet everybody's kind of got a homogenized sound mm -hmm. as far as the new side because everybody's inspired by the same things now so that has changed and that's another reason why because everybody kind of sounds the same in the in the new school okay so. i have to say i might be i mean i'm not suggesting it's my age because certainly you know at 35 plus but i think i might be an old school hip-hopper i'm just saying <laughs> I want to ask you, I want to ask you, Mitch, when you started this whole thing, what is something that you believed was going to be true that you are blown away by totally not being true about this industry? Oh, about this industry? I think it's, I didn't understand the community by coming to podcast movement and meeting so many podcasters and finding out how much we were alike and finding out what a unique group of people they are and I talk to a lot of people say exhibitors and people who work events and so they attend a lot of conferences and conventions and they tell me there is something different this is a very unique community I don't want to take the credit for the conference of creating that this is the podcasters themselves there's some unique characteristics or something about their makeup the people who are willing who want to do podcasts and they identify they identify strongly with each other there's just a very easy way about them and they can approach each other and talk and connect almost instantly, regardless of the content. 
I met these two guys last night, and I'm not part of the hip hop culture, and that's right. not, I know a little not bit yet. about it. Not yet. Yeah, it's not really, <laughs> it's not my generation, but I met up with these guys. We had a really good, good conversation. conversation yesterday. They're really cool guys, and they're in, they've got a message they want to get out there. We were talking about some of the issues. It was really cool. I just didn't realize, I had never thought about the community. It's interesting how much more, you're, if there's only so much that people can consume, it is kind of interesting how collaborative versus competitive the industry is. People, it is not, it can get competitive. I talked to a podcaster yesterday who has really established himself in a particular niche, I won't say who he is, and he's been doing very well with it, full time. And then someone else, a really big name in the online community, started a podcast in the exact same niche, which really freaked him out. And at first he's thinking, uh-oh, you know, this is competition. Of course, it was interesting what happened was this other person comes in and it actually brought more people to that niche. And the guy who had the original show actually found his listeners go way, way up. It's like McDonald's. And they're know? both here. They're both here at the conference, but we haven't been able to connect them together yet. We want to see what happens. But no, they're very, very nice people. I'm not real worried. They, they do not really know each other. But I'm sure when they meet each other, they're going to have a very interesting conversation. Well, fantastic. I'm excited to ask you some sci-fi questions. But before I do, <laughs> I have a question for Open Conversations. Regina, as a storyteller, so I'm, this is kind of maybe an unfair question, but I'm going to throw it out to you unprepared. I'm curious what your childhood smelled like. <laughs> wow. So, first of all, I was raised in Siberia. Probably the worst place to be raised. <laughs> I'm from a tiny mining town in the middle of nowhere. If we're literally talking about my childhood, my childhood smelled like a snow. Nothing else but snow. That is amazing. And so what brought you here initially? Yeah, I've been in journalism forever. I've been in journalism in Russia. I've been doing some monitoring journalism for BBC. And then I studied here and I worked for NPR. And this year is a new adventure for me because I founded my own company and um, I produced several different podcasts. And my favorite one, of course, is a storytelling one, is an open conversation when you're running in very random people, when you don't have any leverage or control over whom are you going to talk to. Because as a media person, as a person with a media background, you're used to the list of trusted sources. And you kind of, it's hard to break out of, it's the same circle, the same voices that you bring as a experts, as a storytellers to your show. So that's at least what I found out from my experience. And sometimes you do expand it, but you're so busy working that you can't go out there and volunteer for some cause and find those voices that, that don't have Twitter accounts, that don't have established Facebook or don't have that presence. So when you're driving a cab, you're on the ground, you're in the community, and it doesn't matter, you know, you, you know it's, it's a very, very diverse voices, people that lead lives, lifestyles so different from yours that it was pretty mind-blowing. And another feature of my podcast is that it's not narrated. I do not narrate anything. I talk to people for about an hour, and then I cut it down to five minutes, and I edit it heavily. And just like there's no no one who could explain, I, I just it's just a platform for a person to tell his or her own very personal story, whatever it is. Uh, question, follow-on question: When you are in the cab and they're telling their story that would be great on in open conversations, 
How different is the story that they tell with them behind you in the confines of a car versus when they're in the studio? You know, Becky, it's a great question. Sometimes, like, about 30% of those people that told me amazing stories in my car would not go on the record. It's just sometimes it's very embarrassing things. Sometimes it's just they don't see what, you know, what, what, what am I getting out of it? Because we're here talking to so many podcasters, but we're still a very small niche, right? Not, it's not 100% of people that are listening to podcasts. But I can tell you for sure, the stories that we so far aired, I just finished my first season, 15 stories. They were the same. They were very intimate after I took them to the studio. They were more informative because now I had one hour to talk to a person that I've been talking to. Maybe it was like a 10 minutes ride. So it, more in depth. And, and as a non-narrated producer, you have to have tons of materials to make that five minutes happen. That makes total sense. I would have thought that maybe they were a little bit more forthcoming in the taxi than they would be in front of a microphone, which can be intimidating. But that's interesting. I guess you have an hour. You can kind of coax it out of them. All right, you guys, what is something that you believe that most people think is insane? You go first on this. <laughs> Ask that question one more time. What do, what do what I believe? What is something that you believe that most people think is insane? What is something that I believe that most people think is insane? I think 21 Savage is the next DMX. <laughs> That's and it. And most people think what? That it's that, not? No, he's not. They think that, <laughs> they think they're not speaking uh, blasphemy right now. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So will, will there be something that proves one way or the other? Or will you be able to always be right and they'll always think you're wrong? I think we'll see in a few years. Yeah. I think we'll see as far as his trajectory as an artist. We'll see. We'll see. Okay. What about you, Rifa? First thing that popped in my head was skydiving. <laughs> Nothing yeah. to do with my podcast. That's okay. But, but that popped in my head. But no, with, with my podcast, what to do with hip hop at least, something that people think is crazy is all of these mumbler rappers. They mumble. They don't say words. That's something a lot of the old school don't like. They hate that they, they don't enunciate. They don't say their words fully and they don't speak up enough. They just kind of just, it's like, what are you saying? I can't understand. And I think that is something that, that's a good one. I would agree. I don't like yeah. that. I don't I, maybe that. I don't. I mean, maybe I just don't. I just thought maybe I didn't understand it. No, so that's okay. Good some of them know. just don't know how to rap, I they guess. They just don't know how to rap. All right. Mitch, what in sci-fi is something that everyone agrees upon? Is there something that everyone agrees upon? Like most people agree that this is the best sci-fi series, technique, show, insert. That's a really good question. I don't know if they agree on everything. I, I don't know that there's that common... I, it's hard to find a commonality. I talk to so many people who are science fiction creators, and I talk to a lot who are science fiction fans, and they're interesting people, but they're so diverse, it's hard to find that commonality or something that they all believe. For me personally, what I'm seeing in it are if there's something that's very common, it's this idea of, that a lot of people have about our future. Because science fiction often is, sometimes it's a commentary on what's going on now, and sometimes it's what the future might be like. And for a lot of people, and this is common in the films and books, they see this future that's dystopia, it's, everything's post-apocalyptic, everything's really, really bad in the future. I'm a huge fan of things like the 1939 World's Fair in New York City. 
this wonderful time when people had this super optimistic view of the future. And they had exhibitions from countries all over the world of what, say, the 21st century was going to be like. And it's nothing like the vision that a lot of science fiction fans and creators have. When you're looking at things like, I like The Walking Dead, but I don't think that the future is going to be a bunch of zombies walking around <laughs> a trashed, you know, trashed up urban areas. I don't know what it's going to be. Maybe AI zombies. Maybe AI Maybe zombies. AI that's an interesting zombies. idea. That's, that's more. Very believable. interesting. But I tend to think that, you know, things are pretty cool right now. And 20, you know, this is the future for people 20, 30 years ago. And I think things are pretty awesome. There's some things I don't like going on right now. But I see a difference. I see these two two kind of camps. I'm of the more optimistic future in view. I'd like to think that's how things are going to be in the future. If you had to apply something sci-fi to the podcast industry to project, you know, 10 years into the future, what it's going to look like, and you had to write this sci-fi story, can you give us a little peek at what you think that would be? Wow, it could be almost anything. Maybe in 10 or 20 years, the power centers are, it's all going to be through podcasts. Maybe we're going to hold all the power. Maybe we're going to dictate what people think and do. And we're trying to do that anyway, if you think about it. We're all telling our story, what we think, how we think the world is or how we think the world should be. Isn't that what we're doing with our podcasters? We're, whether we're trying to make money or whether we're trying to get some message across to people, we're trying to influence the world in our own way. And so maybe one future is that podcasters become very powerful. I mean, who knew? Maybe, I mean, if a magazine, let's say Ms. Magazine, can have a profound influence on our world and our culture, why can't podcasts? So that's the furthest thing from dystopia that I can imagine. That's how, <laughs> that's how I see the world. Well, perfect. I love that. All right, let me ask you about extracting five minutes from one hour. What lessons can you give, if we're all storytellers, no matter what we do, what lessons can you share that people could apply to their own lives when you're sitting down with an hour's worth of story and you're trying to create a five minute nugget of juice? I like that you used the word nugget, actually. I was gonna <laughs> bring the, I was gonna tell you about, sometimes it's two hours though. Always, always, always look for golden nuggets in a tape. Something that makes your heart race faster, or maybe cry, or maybe smile and laugh. This is, this is the gold of your content. Make these raw cuts, put it down to 30 minutes, then go over it again. So this was my, I think I practiced it for about two years. Now it, the process is faster. I can identify those pieces much easier. But first it was to about a half an hour, right? Then you cut it down to about 15 to 10 minutes. But also, when you're choosing those golden nuggets, you have to remember that they have to make sense when they go together. Because you, I mean, in my case, and it's different, you know, for you, Becky, you're there, you're present, you have a conversation with a person. For me, I cannot jump in and explain what is missing. So I have to make sure that I have hour to two hours, sometimes it's, sometimes it's 40 minutes, whatever it is, as much as I can to make sure that I have this ocean of words. No prompting? No prompting. So do you have people that come and they're just quiet for a long periods of time and they don't know what to say and you are, are you tempted to jump in? Sometimes I do have people that 
for them, they're very introverted, for example, and it's hard to open up. But I do know this person has an amazing story. I just will shower them with questions, one after another, right? And then as, uh, in a post-production, you're getting rid of yourself there. But you basically put it together in very cohesive conversation. Like once I had the guy who said, you know, my life is so random. It so doesn't make sense. I don't have any common theme or thread except my guitar. And I'm like, what did you just say? Let's, let's talk more about it, okay? Because yeah. <laughs> I disagree with you. Because the guitar was the nugget of at that course, point. Of course, of course. What is your common theme other than hip-hop? I mean, you can say hip-hop, but what's your common theme that's beneath the hip-hop? What's your nugget that you feel you're hitting every episode? I think that originality is key, but not just in what we talk about, but just in every aspect of whatever it is you're doing. Even with in the podcasting world, one of the things that I learned from coming here is there's a lot of originality out here. There's so many different types of... I mean, I was talking to somebody that had like a, a podcast that was about birds and, about, <laughs> and birds? Bird, about birds. Yeah, just about about birds. So there's an audience for that. You know what I mean? The more original I think that you can get in all aspects of your life, the better. What do you think? I would just have to say just the content. You got to make it interesting for the people. You have to hook them. You got to get them hooked because if you don't hook them, you're liable to lose them. And you got to keep it interesting all the way till the end. I mean, whether it's 40 minutes to an hour and a half. You gotta, you gotta try to keep them there the whole time. So you gotta really give them great content. What do you think your audience is most curious to discover though? New artists, trends, history. What are, your, what are they most curious to discover when they're tuning in? I think maybe history. Things that, especially from the new age, they may not have been around to catch some of the things that yeah. you know, we grew up off of. You know, like the fact that Shaq used to be a rapper and he has music videos, things like that. So. Our generation probably knows about that, but that new generation, they, they only know him from ESPN yeah, or an analyst so or something. I think probably the history is probably like the main thing that I think people probably discover that they didn't know something that happened. So and we, they're tuning in to learn something yeah. they might not have known. And we yeah. do that on a regular, like when we talk to our audience, we let them know about history and we tell them the importance of knowing your history. If you're an up and coming artist, you need to know that, or you might sound like these new rappers obviously don't care about their history because a lot of them have came out and said, who cares? A lot of them came out and, and think that their ideas are original when they've been done by somebody. Uh, you know what? I right. hate that. Every right. time I come up with something brilliant, mm -hmm. I'm very irritated that someone stole my idea before I had it. Like 10 years before I you did? Hate I hate that. That's just like my <laughs> most hated thing. Right. Mitch, what do you think that people, when they're tuning in to your sci-fi makers, what are they most curious to discover? Hard question for me, but... My audience is independent filmmakers. And now these are independent filmmakers who want to make a science fiction film. So is it possible for me to do that? It's the same kind of thing that a potential podcaster might be asking, am I able to do a show like that? And I think they're wondering just how can I do it? Because I'm talking to people who are trying to do it or people who have done it. And so you listen to the show, you're going to find out how certain people did it. I talked to these two young guys in New York, Sam Tubia and Sam Goma Edwards, they won a Star Wars fan film competition. Well, they may have flown under their own, on their own dime, but they went to London to accept the award. It was judged by the guy who directed the last Star Wars movie. The guy who gave them the award was the head of Industrial Light and Magic. Okay, these are big players. They won the best film. They're just barely out of high school. 
and I was talking to these guys about this last night. They kind of started, they were doing hip hop videos. They're little kids. One shooting his little brother, I think lip syncing to a Jay-Z song. Jay-Z sees it, puts the kid in one of his music videos playing young Jay-Z. And now they've got the filmmaking bug like crazy. And they're just going onto YouTube and they're learning and learning and they're big science fiction fans. They're also hip hop fans. And I think they really, really like Star Wars and they do this amazing film. They win this award. Right after I talk to them, they're on ABC's Nightline. They get some kind of development deal to make a movie. But that's what people are tuning in for. It's like, can I do this? What, you know, what are the possibilities? I have no idea. Independent filmmaking sounds hard. Make it science fiction, that even sounds harder, yet there are people doing it. And so I think they're curious, you know, is this even possible? Are people doing it? You know, as I'm listening to this, I'm thinking to myself, the gatekeepers are gone, like we've talked about, the chains, but it seems like, and correct me if I'm wrong, particularly coming from NPR, it seems still like deep in the recesses of our desires, we want to be back and accepted by the gatekeepers. So for example, in your example with these guys who are indie, and then they win this award, and then they're hired by the gatekeepers again, and it comes full circle. Is this a little bit BS to say that we are so glad to be free of the gatekeepers because we get to do our own thing, but the minute one of the gatekeepers says, hey, I kind of like you, we're like, yeah, we'll get in bed with you really quickly. Is that I, fair? I just think it's a belief a lot of us carry because we've grown up with it. I think this is going to change over time. I think I see this more in the independent authors, the book writers, and there are established book writers and they've developed a big following and they're on an established, they have a big name publisher putting out their books and then the contract ends and they decide, I'm going out on my own. I can keep almost all the money because I was getting like 15 cents for every hardback sold or whatever the ridiculous numbers were. And they're escaping from it. I think there are people who are kind of waking up to what you're talking about. And I think it's just an awareness. I think we're moving in that direction. But right now we've had however many years of this established structure that you're making it in the established world, the publishers, the movie studios, TV studios, record labels. They're thinking, wow, I'm really going to make it with a record label. Nobody makes money on a record label unless you are one of the, like, maybe top, what, five or tens, five or ten <laughs> artists maybe at a time making any kind of money. Mm -hmm. I see a lot of the acts I grew up with really, really liking as a kid, and they're on tour now. They're on their own, and they're finally making money because their fans are older and have a little bit of money. But I call them their retirement tours. But now they're not on the labels and they're making money. But yes... You're exactly right. It's just a mindset, and yes, we get people breaking away and they're going back, but I really think that's temporary. I think it's this transition time we're in. That's a very keen observation. I don't think people are realizing they're doing that. I, I'm not sure. It sounds cool to be indie until someone offers you something a little sexier. Because we have a little extra time, because we're the last show of the event, before I ask you guys all to share kind of your most juicy nugget that you've come away with from this event that would be interesting both for the consumers and the creators, given that you were talking about media. We happen to have a credible publicist and media maker here, Joanne McCullough. I wanted to know if you would step behind the mic and share something incredible that happened to you today. You disruptor, you. I had no idea you were going to do this. I mean, I figured, you know. So as a publicist, I help get people out there, and I have a podcast where I talk about that. 
And so something that I just did recently kind of demonstrates at a personal level how this worked. And when I was 10 years old, my mother moved me to Scotland and I lived there and I met all my cousins and I spent time and played with them. And a year later, we came back to the United States. I haven't seen them since. There was no email, no internet, no social media. I was 11 years old. I'm not writing letters, you know. Right. I just reconnected with them. I wrote a pitch to the newspaper right outside of Glasgow. And I said, I'm looking for my cousins. I haven't seen them in over 40 years. Will you help me? And they said, send us some photos. Yeah, we'll do that. And the story ran today. And about an hour ago, my cousin called the paper and then they contacted me. Yeah, so we're going to have a reunion. That's awesome. I mean, I've been searching for a year and they did it. You know, I mean, however these platforms and media works, we touch people in minutes, seconds. So anyway, that's my little story. Thank you, Becky. Yeah, sure. I thought we'd hear, hear a little fun story before we wrap up by asking you all to share something that you thought was your biggest takeaway so far. We're only halfway through, but something other than the fact that I thought the whiskey last night was a little lacking, but, you know, that's my takeaway from yesterday, if you want to go first. Sure. Of course, the biggest takeaway for me, Becky, is that I met people like you. Uh, I met people like Joanne. I met amazing people that produce amazing content and they know much more than I do. Just yesterday we had a conversation and uh, you you gave me an opportunity, I think, to think about my own content through a totally different lens. That's my takeaway. Well, thank you. That's awesome. For me, I've, I've discovered I think podcasters are awesome. I think they're going to change the world in ways we've never imagined. And I'm thrilled to be a part of it. Podcasters just surprise me every day. Fantastic. I believe that if you're into podcasting or trying to create a podcast, you need to come to one of these events. You have to come to one of these events because it will open your eyes to so many doors and opportunities that you wouldn't even thought of before coming to one of these. Because this is my first year. This is my partner's second year. So he's the one that kind of got me out here. And he was all like, you need this. You really do need this. And I came and I'm extremely happy that I did because I'm taking a lot away from it. It's, I can't even put one finger on one thing because I'm getting so much. How about you, Ural? Something that I've seen is I, I believe that there's a lot of podcasters out here and we all have things that we want to offer, but I think that we got to, all podcasters, the community as a whole, I think what we got to do is do a little bit more as far as educating consumers. So we can start to bring in people into the world. I mean, even if it's not our own podcast, let's just bring them into the world. And there's a lot to explore and there's a lot to, that everybody has to offer. So hopefully, if you're listening and you're a podcaster, do what you can to bring more people into the industry. The Where realm. can people right. connect with you guys? Where's the best place to connect? Truth Be Told Podcast. I have a website that's where the, the podcast is based. It's trailmatic.com. So you can come there, find out about some new hip-hop, old hip-hop, you know, whatever you want. And that's pretty much, once you get there, you can find everything else. And if you want to reach us, you can get us on Twitter at R-I-F-F-A-254. And at B-I-G-G-U-U-254. Perfect. We'll have it on the show notes, too. So Thank you. Okay. How about you, Mitch? Where can people find you? You can email me, Mitch, at scifimaker.com. I'm easy to find online, just Google Mitch Todd, but I'm not the dead rugby player, and I'm not the communications director for Sirius Satellite for Radio. Sirius, I, don't, I saw both of those when I was doing a little Googling on you. <laughs> All right, perfect. And how about you, Regina? 
openconversation.com. Also, we're on Facebook, we're on Twitter, and I am very easily identifiable because of my rare last name, Regina Revazova. Thank you guys so much for joining Applied Curiosity Thank you for having Lab us. Thank Radio. You for having us. Thanks a lot. Thank this was much. really fun. It really was. Enjoy. All Thank right. you. I don't know how to turn off this thing. <laughs> I like that. Be sure to check out podcasters Big UU and Rifa of Truth Be Told, Mitch Todd of Sci-Fi Maker, and Regina Revazova of Open Conversations. A quick shout out to the sponsors. Number one, to TalkShoe for providing the booth for this live episode. And TalkShoe is a unique website for people to participate in live interactive podcasts called Community Calls. Also, to Shure Microphones for providing microphones for this live event. Shure happens to be the microphone that I use for all podcasts, and you can find out more about them at shure.com. And to Steve Stewart for orchestrating this live podcast event. Steve is with Podcast Productions and Podcast Editors Facebook group. And a shout out to Bex of the Not So Kosher podcast for being kind enough to record us doing this event on Facebook Live. Thanks so much for listening. I really hope you enjoyed the episode. Before you take off, I have a quick question and a few more things to let you know about. One, you can find show notes and all resources mentioned at appliedcuriositylab.com forward slash blog. And the question, would you enjoy joining the ranks of curiosity seekers and adventurous thinkers? If so, you are invited to join the tribe of the curious. You'll receive Quick Curiosity Monday. This short weekly email is curiosity lube for your brain. It consists of ideas I'm pondering, curiosities the tribe has shared, and things that I'm enjoying that I suspect you might too. Just go to appliedcuriositylab.com to join, or you can probably just pick your favorite search engine and type in Tribe of the Curious. And let's connect online at Becky Saltzman on Twitter and on Facebook at Applied Curiosity Lab. Finally, in order to avoid missing insights from outside the boundaries of ordinary, subscribe to Applied Curiosity Lab Radio on iTunes, YouTube, Stitcher, and all the other places podcasts hide and wait to be discovered. In the meantime, elevate curiosity. Curiosity.